0: Hey everyone, it's Dijon. Hope you're all doing well. I just wanted to say if you're a part of this community and you want to see it grow, please subscribe and follow this channel wherever you are listening. Give it a five-star review on Apple Podcast and share it with the homies. Thanks. Welcome to the Souls of Society community. We're building a new world here. It's based on connection, Compassion and collaboration. Join us as we explore how to create a new earth. Enjoy the Heart Center conversation. I'm Dijon. Welcome to the tribe. Bless. All right, so. This is going to be a fun episode of the podcast because I'm here with one of my oldest and best friends. She's like a sister to me, Alicia English, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited.
0: I'm excited too. Alicia and I met in San Francisco, I don't even know how many years ago. We met at an art show in, was it the Fillmore?
1: It was in the Fillmore uh, at the gallery. Um, I don't think it's open anymore, but yeah, it was in the Fillmore, Melanie and gallery, I remember. And it was an event. It was so cool. It was an event. I met you and we were listening to drums at the time. And it was, I believe... Gosh, I think it was in like 2012, maybe 2013. So it's been
0: a minute. Yeah, that might be right. And I said, I don't even remember how we started talking, but we started talking. And then after a few minutes, I was like, Well, I'm gonna go to this party. Do you want to come? And you were like, All right. And we went to a digital detox party. It was in like around like Sixth Street when they were occupying that mm-hmm. space and, and it was lit. And then we were just like best friends ever since.
1: That's basically how I remember it too. I was like, I remember actually you were a really huge part of my transition into moving back into San Francisco and into the Bay Area and finding uh, different communities that I had wanted to access and... I mean, I tell you this all the time, and I think you know this, but you're such a huge part of my own growth as a person and my own growth spiritually, and uh, I feel like our souls have been on similar journeys and different paths for some time, so I'm excited to have this experience with you.
0: Yeah, I agree. Thank you for that reflection. Yeah, I was talking to somebody yesterday, and we were talking about like what, what do you value in a friendship or what makes like a good friendship? And I was like, well, I think that it it's knowing that somebody is like ride or die, like family, like you can always count on them. And usually if you have that type of relationship, then all the other things that make a good relationship are present, you know, like, Mm. you know, you can trust them and y'all can laugh together and you push each other's growth and you can be honest with each other. And I was just like, yeah, I was like, I have a few people like that in my life. And I was like, you know, Alicia is really the main person I think of that way. And um, yeah, I just wanted to check in with you and hear your perspective as I've been doing with different people as we're in this new time of quarantine Uh, and and life has transitioned a lot. And I feel like the forces that have been in the underbelly of society, you know, both dark and light,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's just not, it's not under the surface anymore. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I feel like it started a while ago and maybe the first extreme thing was like Trump getting elected and people were like, wait, what's going on, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and then
1: we were shocked. <laughs> right, and now
0: this is just kind of a continuation of, life on earth coming to a crescendo with mm. things coming together at odds but yeah I just like to hear different people's perspective and like how they're handling it and
1: yeah oh man this the description of it as feeling like a crescendo is a hundred thousand percent how it's felt for me and I think I am still processing and there are moments actually where I'm just trying to not be in shock anymore. You know, it, it feels so surreal. And I think it's, it's actually funny. I'm reading right now, which may or may not be a good choice. It's sort of an apocalyptic novel, but I love Octavia Butler. Uh, I always loved science fiction growing up and she's the most prolific black science fiction author. She's won a MacArthur Genius Award. She's just brilliant. And she has a book. One of her books is called Parable of the Sower. And it's about essentially the times that we're living in. And I feel like in many ways, she saw this coming and had so many visions. And it's 2020. And the main character is a girl who has this it's basically a condition where she's hyper empathetic <laughs> um, to the experiences of others and the experiences of the world. So everything that everyone feels, she carries those feelings and she carries the weight of that, whether it's joy or um, pain. and in this context, in this version of the future, at least where I am now in, in the novel, it's uh, it, it's a lot of pain, and so she's carrying that weight with her. but Anyway, all that to say, uh, I don't know that that was the best book choice (laughs) at this time because it just, uh, it makes me, it makes me really wonder what our future looks like. And it's such a time where I think we're all receiving this invitation to really deepen into ourselves and all of these distractions externally are removed from us because we have to stay in our homes and I think there's an opportunity or a moment when we come out of this to actually challenge and reintegrate into life in a different way and um, I hope that we're able to do some individual growth and it leads to this larger collective awakening Um, so yeah that's that's just those are all the things that I've been thinking and I think it shows up in a a lot of different ways where I feel like my energy is shifting pretty drastically moment to moment, honestly. Um, So I'm just trying not to get overwhelmed by it and stay grounded and in gratitude. I've been really conscious about my mornings um, and protective of that time is just being really sacred. And we're just doing the best we can right now, you know?
0: Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. And I'm curious about like your specific experience and like what your life was like before and then how it's shifted (laughs) since everything happened.
1: Yeah, bro. So I am extremely extroverted and I think you probably know this probably better than anyone. I tend to stay pretty busy and a lot of that busyness it, it involves being out and being social, whether it's, you know, meeting someone for tea after work or grabbing a cocktail or going to someone's event or whatever it is. I feel really grateful to have a really diverse community and I'm always trying to jump into into something. Like I'm always getting into something. And I think the biggest shift from my life before to what it is now is all of that time and all of that energy that I was exerting outwards and actually energy that uh, I was giving to others. I am now pouring that back into myself. And it's drastically different. And the timing is actually... It's actually, it's actually funny, (laughs) the timing of all of this, because I had actually just quit my job to start my own business, and I think maybe the same, like, within the same week that I was, I had sent a goodbye email, had a going away party, like, (laughs) it was, it was a dramatic, not a dramatic exit, but it was pretty clear I was leaving. And within that same week, within the same few days, the stay at home mandate started to come through and COVID 19 really started to spread and scale throughout the country. And um, all the communications that I was getting were really like uh, related to my projected income falling through. And I was like, oh, these contracts that I had lined up, these, projects that I had lined up, everything that was sort of confirmed is, is shifting. And it kind of felt like, it kind of felt like the ground was, was just sort of lifting from underneath me and it was happening so fast. So what I learned is uh, actually quitting your job might not be the best thing in a global pandemic. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I'm a very prideful person. So it was really hard, but I had to humble myself and I had to examine and check my own ego. And I actually asked to keep my job or extend my employment, which I was really nervous to do. And, my, my director, my boss, who is really incredible and has been so supportive, um, just reminded me that people want to help and that people want to help me. And I don't know why receiving help from other people or asking for help has always been such a huge challenge. And so um, I actually think that's something that I – I'm digging into a little bit more internally and doing some of that work on a soul level to understand the root of that. And I think this time has actually given me the privilege and the space to do that, you know. Mm. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's good that you had the opportunity to reconnect with your work and extend it in light of the circumstances. And I'm sure that provided some mental stability because it would have been pretty challenging otherwise, I imagine. And what was the business that you were going to start for yourself?
1: Oh, I'm still starting it.
0: (laughs) What's the business that you're starting that you're stepping into?
1: Yeah. So I am developing a company um, that's actually going to be dedicated to joy and honoring moments of joy and facilitating and designing creating those moments for joy and for connection with other people that is something that I think is so needed in the world right now and and actually I think that need will be hyper amplified whenever we come out of this moment and just honestly just interested in finding ways to bring people together you know like Uh, I love Priya Parker. I'm really inspired by her work and the art of gathering. And I think so often that a lot of experiences that we engage with, it's not necessarily the content that we're exposed to that we remember. It's the people that we remember. And it's specifically the moments where you're laughing with someone or, you know, perhaps discovering a different, layer of someone or reaching some sort of shared understanding or a moment where you realize you have this epiphany moment like an aha moment where you're like oh okay I have a connection with this person and uh, when I think about just where we are as a society it's all about uplifting one another and providing uh, cosmic reflections you know to other people. So I just want to create moments and spaces for that to happen.
0: That sounds fun.
1: Yeah. I'm hype. <laughs> and it's been fun. You got to join in one of the joy breaks. I started doing these joy breaks, um, which are really fun. And just, a. it's been a really cool way to test some things out, you know, and it looks different because it's virtual and not in person, but I, I'm just amazed at what I'm learning about intimacy and how we can still experience that and even in a virtual space and even digitally and virtually we still have this deep desire to have human connection you know and to have that that meaningful connection with other people um so yeah it's been it's been really fun
0: i love this i love watching your evolution and because i have known you so long you know i've seen you throughout your time growing up and you know being somebody who is searching for connection like we all are and going on dates using the dating apps in the (laughs) bay and then now there's this like wisdom type place where you're kind of taking everything you know and facilitating these experiences for other people Um, and I'm curious like what do you think are the pivotal moments in your path that brought you to a place where you wanted to be kind of like a foundation for everyone else
1: it's a great question I mean honestly I, I think I've always been a teacher and I don't know that it's one pivotal moment, but a series of them, and a, a series of moments and reminders that that is part of my my journey. Uh, uh, so I I literally used to be a teacher, um, and I taught theater in New York City and lived in Harlem, and you know that was always one of my childhood dreams. Like I wanted to be like Zora Neale Hurston. I was so fascinated with the Harlem Renaissance and um, just this idea of Black artists actually traveling the world and finding each other and just making really dope-ass art that actually transcended race and uh, power. And it just spoke to people, to, to humanity. Anyway, so I was very much in that headspace when I moved to New York and uh, had the opportunity to teach theater, public schools, and had the most honestly inspiring students that I've ever worked with. I think teaching at that time is actually one of the richest moments in my career um, and just in my journey. And I think about my students all the time. It's so funny now because they are, they're grown. <laughs> they're like, they're grown as adults. And it's just really cool to see what they're doing now and the messages that they send to check in. And um, I think that's something that actually drives a lot of this desire to create a foundation or to teach or lead or whatever you want to call it. but. Um, So much of it is just knowing the impact that you have, even if it's a small impact on somebody else, you know, whether it impacts them for a day or for their entire lives or just for that moment in time shifts, shifts a decision or shifts the way that they might have perceived something. Um, I just... Yeah, I I love that experience and I love seeing it. I think that's why I love facilitation so much and experience design so much is you get to be in a room where you see these different light bulbs going off for people and you can see them kind of finding their purpose. And that is honestly the best feeling in the world. And Mm -hmm. I saw it with my students and I continue to see that now. It's like... Yeah, that light, that lights me up. I think that's part of my soul's that's soul's dope. mission. Yeah.
0: So I can hear yeah. I can hear the the excitement in your expression yeah. when you talk about it. And you know, you talk about lighting people up and inspiring them and who would you say has been like the most inspirational figure in your life and in what way? Did they spur your growth and development?
1: Mm. Oh, so many people. I, I feel really fortunate to say there is an abundance of individuals who have impacted me, but uh, the person that I'm going to talk about is my mom. And, Part of that is uh, I just finished doing this 21-day um, abundance meditation series that my cousin shared with me. Um, and one of the meditations is reflecting on your relationship with your mother um, and then, then having a conversation with her. so it's something that's very fresh for me and very top of mind and uh, Something that I'm actively processing and unpacking is our dynamic. But my mom is so dynamic, and in this meditation and in these conversations and this reflections, I realize how much of a mirror she is for me, and the same lessons that I think she is in the process of learning, I'm very much in those same pro- in that same process as well, and I just. My mom is one of the most selfless and generous and giving people that I know and just really taught us to be of service to others. And she is a therapist. My grandma's also a therapist. That would be the other person I would say is just a huge inspiration because my grandma and I are very close. She's 95, bro. (laughs) 95 years old. I met her, I know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, like my grandma has that, she's, she's got some, she's got some good vibes and some good energy. And it's actually, I was just there visiting on Easter. It was so awkward because we couldn't hug. I was like being socially distant from my grandmother, but there's a bookshelf that I've never really looked at. And, I was like, wow, grandma was really on some transcendent. She's reading a book on quantum healing and <laughs> quantum leaps. And there were books about architecture and spirituality and sacred geometry. And I was just like, oh, books on, uh, be- this is before being vegan was a thing, but <laughs> they're like old books on Chinese medicine and vegan eating. And I was, I just, I'm like, oh, okay, this is, this is how we turn 95 years old, I guess. I <laughs> guess this is what we're, this is what we're consuming, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so anyway, my, my mom and my grandma both are therapists and I think both are healers. And uh, I've seen my mom give so much of herself and something that, I have struggled to do is learn how to set boundaries, you know, and I've seen, I'm learning that my mom is very similar in that regard, um, where we want to give and we love to give and learning how to set boundaries so that we can, can can continue to feel free to give and to love is something that I think is a practice uh, and a lesson that we're both, we're both learning. Um, yeah, my my mom my mom is my mom is an inspiration. She brings people together all the time. She does it informally. She does it formally. She she's still moving. She um, loves soul line dancing and has a group that she leads and works with. She's just she's a passionate and loving lady, you know. So mm. I really I'm really inspired by her. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for asking that question. I was, was yeah.
0: can Some you think formative. of your your earliest memory with your mom? Mm. I
1: was trying to close my eyes. I have several my earliest I think. This memory, I don't know if I have it because it's a photo, but we used to spend a lot of times uh, going up to the mountains and being in the snow. And I feel like I have this really distinct memory actually of my mom holding me in the snow and picking me, like, picking me up out of the snow and just holding me in like, my little bundles of clothes. I think that might be the earliest one.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah, being picked up by my mom in the snow. Wow, I like that. Wild. Yeah. What's, uh, can I ask you the same question? Which one? I'm curious. What's your earliest memory with your mom?
0: My earliest memory with my mom...
1: Mm
0: -hmm. you know the thing that popped up in my mind first was I think her reading to me at night before I went to bed and I think at the time I was super into Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. So I just would go, like when you would come in, I'd be like, Ernie and Bert, Ernie and Bert, Ernie and Bert. <laughs> I was excited.
1: Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. You were a cute kid too.
0: I was a cute kid. You
1: were a cute kid.
0: Yeah. I don't know that I've seen pictures of you when you were really little.
1: Oh, I was a cute kid too.
0: Of course. (laughs) You're a beautiful woman sometimes. You're a cute kid as
1: well. Yeah. Big, big old cheeks, you know, just smiling, like very, very smiley child. I'll I'll share some with you. I got you.
0: Uh, We look forward to that. Yeah. So... Um, I know where you're from, but I feel like it'd be good to share, like where you were from and maybe what growing up was like. I feel like that's interesting.
1: Yeah, works ex- okay. Um, so I grew up in the Bay Area uh, in San Jose, California, and growing up, it, it's significant. So growing up, I had a super, I don't know, a pretty, I would say it was like a pretty idyllic childhood for the most part, you know. Um, My parents sacrificed so much and now I can, as an adult, I understand just how much they were sacrificing um, and have a deeper appreciation for it. But yeah, I, I, they gave us everything that they could. And education was such a, a big value for our family. So uh, my sister, I have one sister. She's my best friend. Um, she is also another source of inspiration. But uh, yeah, so it was like me and my sister were definitely partners in crime. We always tell this story of the time that we uh, ran away from the house you know, like, we're like, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna run away. We have places to go. We're not, (laughs) we, I think we got in trouble for not putting away our Barbies or something. Cause we used to play like, Janelle and I used to play epic Barbie games. Like we would take over the entire house. There would be Barbies everywhere. Like, we create little homes out of pillows and like take, you know, just take things from the kitchen or whatever and and use it for the Barbies. Anyway, um, so I <laughs> like, there were a lot of Barbies in my childhood and actually a lot of black Barbies. That's something that I really appreciate now as an adult. I feel like my parents were really intentional, even though we were uh, in school. Most of the students in our school were white. We we're very much surrounded by black art and black literature and black music and black toys and like Kwanzaa celebrations. And just it was our, our home life and what we were exposed to was very black. It was like a black ass household. And, you know, in retrospect, I just really appreciate that. And I understand that it's an intentional decision, but, yeah, we had a ton of black Barbies and every Christmas we'd get this, there's like a collector's black Barbie doll. So we had, we had it every, every Christmas. So anyway, um, Epic Barbie Games. And this one time we decided we were going to run away because our mom was like making us put away the toys and we didn't make it very far. And actually, I remember we maybe went like two blocks from the house or something like that and we got hungry (laughs) so we're like all right we'll go (laughs) to our neighbors and maybe her name is donna she uh used to babysit for us she's like maybe we were like maybe donna will give us some food so we go to donna and we're like donna we're so hungry (laughs) this is right next door to our house by the way (laughs) like literally (laughs) We're like donna we're so hungry you know can you feed us we ran away nowhere to go and donna had us actually go she's like okay but you have to earn it and she just had us pick weeds like in the front yard and she called she called my parents and was like yeah alicia and janelle are outside <laughs> They're in the front
0: donna yard. is funny
1: donna is funny donna,
0: donna. had you job working in the
1: yard yeah, had us working in the yard trying to earn our meal, and we were ready. We, we did it. <laughs> so, but you know, my mom, this I, I share this story because I think it's really reflective of just how I was raised. And um, my mom picked us up, and she used it actually as a lesson to check us on just how lucky we were, how fortunate we were, and how privileged we were. She took us to uh, again, my mom is a, a therapist, and she took us to a children's shelter, so I think she must have called a friend or something um we had our things packed we said we don't want to be here anymore <laughs> and she took us to a children's shelter, and she actually had this person i remember this woman like brought us in and like showed us some things and talked to us and it was just a moment where I think it was like a very early lesson in gratitude. And as I reflect on it even more, I'm like, oh man, like, (laughs) like we were running away because we didn't want to clean up our thousand Barbie dolls, you know? Um, And there are so many children who don't have homes. Yeah. Y'all was tripping. We were tripping. We, We were tripping. We were tripping. Well, so, that's
0: good. That's what parents are there for, that's to give what us those
1: for. Yeah. reality
0: checks and help us yeah. learn boundaries and learn life lessons. Yeah. All right. So I love that story about you and your sister going away and getting school by your mom. And um, what do you want to be when you were growing up?
1: So many things. <laughs> I wanted to be, the main thing I always wanted to be was pretty consistently, I wanted to be an actress. It's like, I want to be an actress. I also went through a season where I always loved writing and I would write these fake articles. Like I had a fake newspaper and this like binder full of articles and I was always reporting. So I went through a phase where I really wanted to be get into broadcast journalism. I was like, I really want to be a newscaster. Like, I want to bring people their news more than anything in the world because then you can write the stories and share them. And, uh, so yeah, being an actress, being a newscaster, I think at some point I wanted to be a veterinarian or I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian. But pretty consistently it was like, you want to be an actress or you want to be a newscaster? Like, that's, that's what you're going to be when you grow up.
0: So do you still want to be an actress or?
1: Yeah, I still want to be an actress and I think I still am an actress. And it's so funny, like even if it's not acting in the traditional sense, getting, you know, I used to do a lot of theater and I haven't done a theater or like a production in a long time. But when I think about all of the skills that I actually learned from, Creative process, it ties in so much to what I think are my strengths now like this ability to work with your ensemble and (laughs) and create a piece. And um, I think that is like this ability to really work with really different personalities and collaborate really well with people. I think the ability to communicate with expression and passion and using eye contact and body language and all of those things and really. Being a strong public speaker and a dynamic public speaker, that all came from acting and theater. So there's so much of what acting looks like or what theater and what my training really um, taught me that applies into so many different elements of my life and of my work now. So yeah, you know, what, what, is, what is the title anyway? <laughs> I'm totally an actress. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Yeah, I remember... Seeing you do the vagina monologues at that place in San Francisco, and
1: you know that was fun.
0: I I remember going, and I remember being there, and your performance was really the only thing I remember about the experience because it was so. I remember like the the quality of the air in the room changed when Mm -hmm. you did it. You know, it was just like you were accessing, for me, a deeper experience than any of the other experiences that I was having that night. Mm
1: you. yeah I appreciate that a lot yeah, yeah, it yeah. Was that was dope that was really fun actually I think that I think that's the last play that I did well
0: and maybe it's time for another one
1: three years ago it is time for another one it's definitely time for another one that's something I'm going to prioritize actually when we're allowed to gather again and be physically close I am going to, I'm going to be in a play this year.
0: Well, maybe you could do a one woman play and you can start getting it together during this time. That would be dope.
1: That would be dope. That would be dope.
0: Phoebe Waller Cates, who did Fleabag.
1: Love her. Yeah. You put that, me onto her.
0: Yeah. Fleabag started as a, as a one woman show.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I did not know that.
0: Yeah. She's been working on that thing for a minute. Yeah. Um,
1: Wow. She's brilliant. Yeah, she is. She's brilliant. She's brilliant. I mean, her writing is like... It's so... She's like witty, right? And she's witty and it's very clever and it's very creative storytelling and just... She has this ability to make topics and make characters that are going through their their challenges, and who you might easily be like, oh, I just don't like this character. She paints them and develops them in such a way that you're just like, I want to love this person. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like, like it's just, she's, she's really painting comprehensive, dynamic, thoughtful portraits of people that are deeply deeply flawed like all of us you know so
0: right yeah that's a skill she can
1: make you laugh doing it I'm like man
0: yeah I don't know that I've ever seen anybody that can do drama and comedy as well as she does both
1: right at the same time
0: at the same time like in the same scene like one line to the next line yeah
1: it's badass like that actually I think, even as an artist or creative or anyone who's able to hold, I was just having this conversation earlier, this ability to hold space for two things or multiple things at once, like at the same time, I think that is a really, really unique quality. Um,
0: Definitely. Yeah. I remember when I was in my film one year program, my screenwriter, who is a cool dude, I should reach out to him. His name was James Savoca, he was a cool dude, but um, he was telling us about constructing a scene and he said, mm-hmm. I think every scene should do at least two or four things. It should develop character, it should move the story forward, and then be either funny or dramatic. And then you get a bonus if it's funny and dramatic. So that was like the criteria for evaluating whether a scene deserved a place in the screenplay because it had to be doing at least two of those things, but really you wanted to be hitting three.
1: Oh, that's, I, I'm going to write that down. That's like a life lesson.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's you like should a,
1: definitely reach out to him.
0: Yeah, I haven't thought about him or that line of advice in many years, so I'm glad that it randomly popped into my mind. Yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah, that's dope. Well, to close out, I wanted to ask if you would describe what your ideal life looks like in a year. Like in a year from now, you know, go to that place in your mind and then tell me what you see.
1: This is actually going to be really challenging for me because... I have so intentionally been being working on just being fully present and planning for moment by moment. So um, this is tricky because it's actually like a total flip or a mindset. Hold on.
0: I mean, that's fair. That's fair because yeah. the life is life is in an unprecedented place. So yeah. it's hard to know anything. So how about? And instead of like what your life looks like, how do you feel?
1: Mm. I think I feel a sense of grounding, a sense of trust in myself and in humanity. As a collective, I think I feel, I feel like I am looking back at my year and I've manifested everything that I said I wanted to. And I've created some powerful experiences for people. I've created some powerful art. That has allowed me to heal and I've shared that with other people and I'm proud I feel a great sense of pride and I feel optimistic about the things that are coming and a great sense of like tingly anticipation (laughs) Mm.
0: Yeah. Optimism and tingly anticipation.
1: Mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel it. I see it. That's good. <sighs> what do you what do you want to feel tomorrow?
0: You know, that's actually become part of my practice, my journaling practice is I write three things I'm grateful for I write who I want to be today I write how I want to feel today and then the one thing I need to do to feel like accomplished in that day Mm. so how I want to feel tomorrow I want to feel vital healthy and at ease and yeah i mean i feel like i've been doing pretty well over the course of this quarantine time i've been creating a ton you know like Mm -hmm. releasing videos and finishing an album and finishing the edits on a poetry book and i made like maybe 10 podcasts and um that's great And I also feel like I would like some time to like sit outside all day with no technology and just like Mm. breathe.
1: Yeah. So. Those are the best days. You lounge out in a hammock, just leave your phone inside somewhere.
0: Yeah. I relish that. I think I have appointments the next couple of days, but I think maybe Saturday could be a day for me mm-hmm. to do that. So yeah. thanks for sound
1: stoke. Screen free.
0: Yeah, thanks for guiding me there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. You've come a really long day and um, come a very long way. And I just appreciate our growth and our friendship and I'm very, very grateful.
0: Same, same, same. Yeah, we've come a very long way, and it's just the beginning.
1: I know, I know. Yeah. I can't wait to meet my future self. Like, I really like her. <laughs> <laughs> That's good.
0: My best friend is my future self.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that is correct. That's it. That's remember that. Remember when we um <laughs> when we sat and made uh potential websites and just <laughs> like, oh, yeah we were wiling out we were wiling out
0: that's how the the universe uh the universe shows us was created which is yeah a current brand and community that i've cultivated to put energy into because mm-hmm. it i remember we started off with super because we were we were like drunk on on the after going to see a movie on a rooftop back in the yeah. days when I used to turn up like that, yeah. and,
1: <laughs> we were tipsy. We were tipsy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and um, I think I remember like one was like you dot org.
1: Yeah, it what that was the first one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was that's what sparked it. That was the first one.
0: Yeah, um,
1: and then but- I think you said I think how to be. A fucking legend was one of the things you said.
0: I might have already started that one because I did that. Oh, one okay. In like on a Facebook Live one day. Oh. Okay, and, okay. and speaking of that, um, I was actually I actually recorded something new today in reference to that, and I'm pivoting that brand and offering, and I think it's going to be called Awakening Genius mm. because. That's essentially what how to be a motherfucking legend is about. It's about mm-hmm. tapping into your unique expression of genius and the reason why I did it that way was one, it was just like when I thought of it it was to be funny, but it was also because you know, souls of society was such a like a universally likable thing that at that time in my artistic development I wanted to create something that was you know, more swagged out and polarizing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but now, you know, I really see the value in being able to support everyone in reaching their full capacity, mm-hmm. and you know, everybody can't vibe out with how to be a motherfucking legend, you know, like even I don't necessarily vibe out with it all the time like it, <laughs> it's it's a good it's a good um Kind of like time capsule, but it's almost the same way as like that. I can't listen to like Dr. Dre anymore.
1: Mm. You I can't listen to Dr. Dre.
0: Certain, certain songs, no. You know, it's just like I don't, I don't vibe with just like like the misogyny, for instance. Right, I'm mm. just like ah, I can't. I'm I'm not trying to hear all this. Right,
1: <laughs> yeah. um,
0: It's just too much. Yeah. Um, so my point of creativity has really shifted and i think i mentioned this to you before and 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 that i want everything i create to be eternal and Mm. part of a a legacy that's eternal and that Mm. gets more powerful with time because it's rooted in in deep truth so the difference between like you know dr dre's early stuff with all the misogyny and um I don't know, maybe ego versus like the miseducation of Lauren Hill, which is like rooted in love.
1: Best album. Yeah. Right.
0: So it's like, yeah, I just don't, I don't want to date my offering, you know?
1: Yeah. And I think you are eternal. And we've talked about this before. I think the art that you create is going to mean something in a very lasting and eternal way.
0: Yeah, thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. I feel that's true because it's the themes of my work are connection with others and connection with self and yeah. That'll always be relevant.
1: Yeah. Always relevant and the way that you reflect it back is always going to speak, you know. And it's interesting like I feel like you have so many you're a strong storyteller and you have, you're an incredible creative. I think you are a creative genius and you have so many different modalities of expressing your creativity. And I imagine that each of those different modalities will speak to different people at different times. And that is really cool to think about. Like when your music, when Indigo Keys speaks to someone versus when soul speaks to someone versus how to be a motherfucking legend speaks to someone like all of those are going to speak to different individuals for different reasons, all in the time that it's supposed to. And I think that is really, actually really uh, phenomenal. Very rare.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for that reflection. That's the, that's the idea. Um, Yeah. That was part of, Actually, it was part of the mindset with how to be a motherfucking legend was having something that people at a certain frequency could resonate with, and then, you know, ascend from one place to another. And when mm-hmm. they got to the next place, they could take up Access a new expression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and I received that compliment. I really do. I appreciate it. And and I guess just to to speak to it and say. I really want to make the differentiation that I'm not a creative genius because I don't want to associate my ego with it because that's limiting, you know, to be anything is, is limiting, even if it's something you're viewing as positive. And I think a a more expansive way I found to tap in is that as a human being, I get to be, and we all get to be conduits for whatever energy we choose to be Mm -hmm. so the point of life is to consciously choose your experience and you know experiences are not good or bad they're just experiences but being conscious of them is the key so as i've grown as a human being and had different experiences and seen the feedback from different choices that i've made I've learned what type of choices serve the experience I want to create for myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there is plenty of turning up and partying and nightlife and all that in the Bay. And I feel like that was important for experiential parts of my development. And now it's creating more space for the infinite to flow from the source through me into the three-dimensional realm and the more i do it and the more creative channels i'm able to open it's just like the better it feels and the more i want to do it so Mm -hmm. you know i think that i remember tupac was one of my favorite all-time artists and and he still is to a large degree and uh it's interesting to say and to think about it this way. But I remember when he died, I was really shook, you know, like affected okay. me really, really deeply. And even I was in eighth grade. And even as an eighth grader, I was like, I was like, man, he was really special and really onto something. But there was also something that he like didn't get or like there was something that he hadn't evolved into yet. And I remember having that thought which I think is true because he was 25, you know, when he passed. So of course, you know, he he was still growing. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking like, if I can just get to that point of creative genius and being prolific, but also grounded in a a different kind of maturity, that'll be really Mm -hmm. special. Mm -hmm. And reflecting on that, I feel like that is the embodiment of my life at this time, you know, where I feel a lot of fire and have a lot of creative ability, but I'm not. Consumed. You're not limited by that. Yeah, I'm not limited by my like anger yeah. or demons. And he was still yeah. fighting his demons.
1: Yeah,
0: and that was part of what made his story so beautiful. Um, but I. Mm-hmm. I have peace Mm. and ultimately I've realized that even though we all have these dreams of being famous and making the kind of impact Tupac did, I'll actually take the peace. Mm. (laughs) So whatever people get out of what I create is a blessing, but ultimately it's, the communion with God when I'm making the thing that is of the utmost importance Mm -hmm. to me.
1: Mm Ashe.
0: Ashe, Mm oh. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's always a pleasure, my sister.
1: Always. yo, truly appreciate you. Like, truly, truly. And it feels right that you end dropping gems because that is like our, our relationship personified. <laughs> 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 dropping wisdom. And I'm like, no, it's not true, bro. That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, listen, little sister, I'm trying to let you know. Now I'm like, all right. Let me listen. I'm a, I'm a takedown. Maybe some of it's true.
0: Yeah, you receive it now.
1: <laughs> I receive it now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, amazing. I'm glad we've grown, I look forward to continued growth and me prosperity.
1: Too. Me too. Thank you again for sharing this experience with me. This is this is fun. It felt yeah, it felt different. <laughs>
0: it was a good one.
1: Yeah.
0: Thanks, thanks for being with this soul's family. And I hope you all are enjoying these different reflections that we're getting to share with different people in the community. And that's really what this whole project is about, is the level of depth we can access with the intimacy of just two people, you know. And I can tell you that my vision for this project is that I'm not the focal point of it. You know, I was a catalyst because that's my role in society, but I'm hoping that we can spread this out so that all of us are taking the time to connect and know each other more deeply Mm -hmm. and spread more light into the world through that connection.
1: There
0: it is. All right, baby sister, we're out.
1: We're out. Peace out.
0: (laughs) Peace. We hope you enjoyed that episode. This is what we're all about at Souls of Society. If you feel inspired right now, share this with one of your friends. Leave us a five star review on Apple Podcast. And most importantly, embody your soul by living in your heart. It's our time. It's our time for harmony, togetherness and peace. Much love.